Hello, and welcome to Peter Pan Man Dan, a podcast about fatherhood. I'm Dan, a screenwriter and first-time father, and these are my adventures. This episode is called 120 Stars and is about me revisiting a childhood game before becoming a parent. As a 13-year-old boy, there was only one thing on my mind. Mario. Bet all you perverts were expecting me to say something else. But nope, while some friends were stealing Playboys and watching scrambled softcore porn on Channel 98, I was all about that sexy, mustachioed Italian plumber with the dad bod bouncing his way towards saving Princess Peach. A little side note, I always thought it'd be funny if Mario saved Princess Peach and then she was like, Okay, thanks, you can go now. And Mario was like, Okay, but I just saved you, aren't we supposed to like get married? And Peach was like, Okay, no, you're too short for me, and your accent is annoying. Also, you smell from running around and killing Goombas with your ass. And how much do plumbers make? Okay, back to it. Sorry about that. I was obsessed with Mario because Super Mario 64 had just been released on the Nintendo 64. At the time, it was revolutionary. It was one of the first mainstream games to master the Switch from 2D to 3D, which reshaped the perspective so that the gamers saw the world through Mario's eyes. I know. Total nerd alert! The main objective was to beat the shit out of that princess-kidnapping bastard Bowser. But after you beat Bowser, there was more. You had to collect all 120 power stars to reunite Mario with his pal Yoshi. So every day, I'd grab a bag of pretzels and a couple of Cokes. Then I'd head down to my parents' basement to log a long day's work bopping piranha plants, flying through rings, dodging fireballs, chasing ghosts, and racing penguins. Some real serious and important shit. I eventually beat Bowser by snatching hold of his tail and twirling his dumb ass into a fiery hell-like pit. But I was a video game completist, so I needed to get all 120 power stars. After all, I didn't want to leave Yoshi hanging. Plus, I wanted to be the first of all my friends to beat the entire game. One of my pals, Steven Gropstein, felt the same way. He was as hell-bent on getting to 120 stars as I was. Steven and I had been best pals since elementary school. We were the two best basketball players in our grade, not to brag, and both loved the Utah Jazz. We also weren't Mormon, and all of us non-Mormons had to stick together. But once we both discovered that the other was gunning to beat the game first, our non-Mormon basketball-loving alliance was off and the race to 120 stars was on. As our competition progressed, Stephen and I would often check in at the end of the day to see who was ahead, each of us pulling the competitive spirit out of the other, pushing us to be better, work harder, collect those goddamn power stars faster. It was Magic versus Bird, Sampras versus Agassiz, Frazier versus Ali. Okay, so it wasn't that intense. Joey Chestnut versus Kobayashi vying for the hot dog eating crown would probably be a more accurate comparison. But it felt like it mattered. Anytime I'd slip up and send Mario to his death, I'd imagine Steven a few blocks over, collecting stars and doing that little spin dance with Mario every time they found one. I'm not sure why we cared so much. It's not like we would have been awarded a massive trophy or magically won over the real-life equivalent of Princess Peach. If anything, girls our age probably thought us to be pathetic nerds who needed to get into real shit, 
like football or the Mormon religion. But Stephen and I did care. We cared a lot. After weeks of ignoring the sunshine and canceling plans in the real world, Stephen ultimately emerged the victor. I eventually got all 120 stars too, but Stephen was a Super Mario 64 champ. After beating the game, I remember feeling that post-accomplishment emptiness. Well, now what? I said as I looked around my quiet, vapid basement. Cut to 25 years later. Stephen and I were both Peter Pans, slowly settling into adulthood. We were on surprisingly similar paths. We both married later than most of our peers. We both lived in Southern California. We both found our way into fun professions, me grinding out a screenwriting career and him starting his own CBD business. But most importantly, we both had adorable dogs that we treated like children. I hadn't thought about Mario in quite some time, leaving him to conquer worlds all on his own. Early into my adulthood, I had found something more stimulating than video games, booze. I loved alcohol, feeling almost euphoric every time I drank it, like I was the youngest person alive and the first person who was for sure going to live forever. Probably similar to how Mario felt after kicking the shit out of Bowser. When I quit drinking, I suddenly needed to find some hobbies. I had picked up fantasy football, as I've mentioned in other episodes, but I needed more. That's how big of a drunk I was. Eventually, my amazing wife, Meredith, gifted me a Nintendo Switch one Christmas. Her kid brother had one and loved it. She figured that her Peter Pan man-child of a husband deserved one too. So, with the Switch resting on my ever-expanding pot belly, I started in on games like Mario Kart, Mario Odyssey, and Donkey Kong. After a couple of months, I got bored with the Switch. I set it aside to collect dust next to our TV. It was probably good that I wasn't sitting around playing video games all day. I mean, I was closing in on 40 for Christ's sake. Every time I picked up the Switch, a voice in my head would automatically question my whole existence and purpose in life. What's the matter with you? You're too old for this shit, it said. It was better if I focused my free time and energy on Meredith and our dog Maple. After all, those soft ears weren't going to pet themselves, and Meredith couldn't start a family on her own. I mean, I guess she could have, but she was nice enough to include me in the process. Once Meredith became pregnant, we started preparing for this life-altering event. We bought all the books that they tell you to buy, like Expecting Better by Emily Oster and The Happiest Baby on the Block by Harvey Karp. I started in on The Happiest Baby on the Block first, but I was finding that it was giving me a bit of a panic attack feeling, a tightness in the chest, a general sense of terror, some light to heavy sweating. Plus, everything felt like it was going in one ear and out the other, or whatever the reading equivalent of that sensation is. A few chapters in, I figured it'd be better if I didn't overwhelm myself, and that I would retain more of the content if I read it closer to the birth. So, I put it aside. Shortly after, I received an out-of-the-blue text message from my old pal Steven. It was a picture of his TV with Mario standing in the main lobby of Peach's Castle. It read, Reliving some old great memories. It took me a second to realize it, but the picture was of Mario from Super Mario 64. I texted back, Oh, wow, amazing. I assumed that Steven had found an old console. But then he informed me that Nintendo had re-released Super Mario 64 on the Switch as part of its 25-year anniversary celebration. 
Holy shit, I said to myself. Stephen and I caught up on non-Mario news via text for a few minutes, and he informed me that he too was an expecting father. He and his wife's due date was four months ahead of ours. Meredith and I still weren't announcing our news, so I had to keep quiet. But I remember thinking it was amazing that both of our wives were pregnant at the same time. But then, also thinking that it was even more amazing that Super Mario 64 was being re-released. Mario was back. Wow. Just wow. Life. Man, amazing stuff. After texting with Steven a bit longer, I set my phone down and shot over to Amazon to order myself a copy of Super Mario 64. I just can't believe this, I told Meredith. I know, we're going to be parents soon. Crazy, said Meredith. No, Super Mario 64 is out on the Switch. But but yes, yes, uh, also crazy about us being parents soon. Over the next several weeks, Steven and I both played the shit out of the game, checking in on each other's star count progress about once a week. In other words, the race to 120 power stars was on once again. We were back to our 13-year-old selves, jumping through lava fields, shooting out of cannons, and searching for invisibility caps. I gotta say, rediscovering this amazing game was a delight. It was like I was back in my parents' basement stuffing pretzels into my fat face while sucking down Cokes. On the other side of the couch, Meredith was doing the very important work of growing a human life inside of her, while I was doing the even more important work of collecting up all those power stars. Hell, maybe in this 25-year anniversary version, Mario would get Peach pregnant, and Steven, Mario, and I could all become dads at the same time. As time went on, Steven and I continued our weekly progress check-ins. Like before, he was going at a faster clip than I was. But it was sort of great. Here we were, a couple of man-children, dipping back into our childhood to get one last taste before we embarked on this parenting adventure. Eventually, things started to get busy for both Stephen and I. I had to get a draft of a script back to some producers because I'm a massively successful Hollywood screenwriter on my way towards a career that would most certainly land my name on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And Stephen had some real-life adult shit to worry about, too. He was moving to Northern California for a job, and their due date was fast approaching. We didn't have the same abundance of free time we once had when our lives were easy and everything was free and we depended on other people instead of the other way around. So our race to 120 was put on pause. For Meredith and me, the next big upcoming baby-related event was our first doctor's appointment. Meredith was able to find an OB doctor in the area named Dr. Bone, spelled B-O-H-N. <laughs> That's the perfect name for an OB doctor, I giggled. You know, bone, like boning, like people have to bone to have a baby. Meredith gave me a look that implied that she was thinking through all of the mistakes she had made that had led her to this very moment. The big appointment was scheduled for just after Christmas, during that weird nothingness time between Jesus' birthday and New Year's. It was a general checkup to make sure everything was okay, but the big-ticket event was the ultrasound. We'd get the first real-life pictures of our little buddy. We'd also know the gender via some blood work. We had decided that we wanted to know the sex, figuring that there were enough surprises when the baby arrived, 
And given all the recent gender reveal catastrophes, like people starting wildfires and crashing planes, we figured a simple, it's a boy, or it's a girl, would suffice. Now, COVID sucks ass for a lot of reasons, the most notable being that the virus has killed a ton of innocent people. But one of the major reasons it sucked ass for us was because it restricted me from going to any of the checkup appointments. Only the pregnant patient was allowed in. No sweaty, pot-bellied husbands like me. Ah, I wish I could go, I said like the world's greatest husband. I know, I want you there with me, said Meredith. Maybe I could dress up as an ultrasound machine and sneak in there with you, I suggested. I don't think that would work, said Meredith. Yeah, they'd probably wonder why the ultrasound machine was eating pretzels and farting and not showing pictures of our baby, I said. On the day of the ultrasound appointment, I drove Meredith to Dr. Bone's office, which was about 15 blocks from our house. It was the least I could do, but also the most. I was bummed as I watched Meredith scurry off into the building while I sat in my Subaru, feeling like a total dud. I really wanted the full experience, all the happiness that goes into seeing the life you helped create for the first time. I wanted to hear its heartbeat, maybe see a limb twitch. I wanted to say, amazing, under my breath as I squeezed Meredith's hand. But instead, I just drove back to our condo. Once I got in, I wasn't sure what to do with myself. An hour wasn't enough time to get much writing done. So I just hung with Maple, looking around our place, trying to figure out how to kill some time. My eyes then settled on the happiest baby on the block book. I figured if I couldn't be at the appointment, I could at the very least start digging into some of my parenting homework. But then I saw the Nintendo Switch sitting behind the book. It's a me, a Mario! Mario seemed to scream from inside the game. But won't playing video games while my wife is at her doctor's appointment make me a shitty husband and dad? I asked. I mean, shouldn't this time be used to learn something about parenting? Let's go! I could hear Mario say. Okay, you convinced me. So the next thing I knew, I was bouncing through Womp's Fortress on my way towards collecting more Power Stars, enjoying every second of that beautiful game. Eventually, Meredith texted that her appointment was over. I had to get back to reality. When I picked her up, she had a giant smile on her face. Her hands were full of ultrasound photos of our precious little angel, doing its best to build itself into a human pal. The doctor had used the word perfect to describe our baby's progress. Man, perfect is a great word to hear, isn't it? I said to Meredith. Yeah, can't do much better than perfect, she said. Once home, we obsessed over the ultrasound pictures, trying to discern any of our features in the baby, marveling over this whole experience. It never felt more real. We were thrilled, joyous, feeling all those feelings expecting parents feel. A few days later, we received the results from Meredith's blood work. We were having a little baby boy. I could not have been happier. A boy, wow. But as the newfound reality began to settle in, I undoubtedly became more stressed. I mean, I was going to be a dad soon. This was happening. Could I actually pull this off? Would I be good at it? Would he like me? I needed to relieve some of that stress. It's-a me, Mario! Mario screamed from the console once again. 
So, over the next couple of months, anytime Meredith had an appointment that I couldn't go to, or anytime I felt overwhelmed by the thought of having a kid, I reached for my switch, retreating back into my childhood, escaping into the wonderful world of Super Mario 64. Over time, I was able to work really, really, really hard and beat that son of a bitch Bowser. Then I also collected all 120 power stars. By this time, Steven and his wife had had their baby, a girl, so he didn't have time to dump into Mario. In other words, I had won this round. It was now one to one, each of us claiming a race to 120 power stars title. But after my massive world changing accomplishment, I felt that same emptiness I had felt as a kid. I looked around and said, well, what now? But I knew the answer this time. I needed to stop playing video games and buckle down. I needed to focus not on reliving my youth, but rather on preparing for fatherhood so that I could ensure my kid experienced as great of a childhood as I had, one that was full of pretzels, video games, and friendships. And I needed to start by finally finishing that damn happiest baby on the block book. Now that we both have bigger things to worry about, Steven and I probably won't be able to have another race to 120 stars anytime soon. But maybe when we're old and retired and our children are grown, Nintendo will come out with the 50-year anniversary version of Super Mario 64. We'll pick up whatever the latest console is and have one last battle. After all, we've got to break that 1-1 one -one tie. This has been Peter Pan Man Dan, a Mangano Movies and Media podcast. Thanks for listening.